Can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the NFC South? Should Tua Tagovailoa start this season for the Miami Dolphins? Which new head coach will have the most success this season? What impact will DeAndre Hopkins have on the Cardinals and Kyler Murray's second year? My name is Garrett, and this is All Things Football. Alrighty, well welcome into this episode, uh, our second episode of All Things Football Podcast. We hope you liked the first episode and we're going to go and keep pumping these out and, and, and here's the second one. So first, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which are obviously the talk of the NFL, obviously for, for reasons that are pretty self-explanatory. Obviously they landed Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady Tom Brady is no longer a uh, New England Patriot and he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And as well as that is they Rob Gronkowski come out of retirement to join um, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. So a lot of crazy things are happening. And so Tampa Bay um, is getting a lot of talk and a lot of love about not only just winning the division, but winning the Super Bowl, uh, which would be interesting because the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay this year. So they'd be the first team. Um, if they do make it to the Super Bowl, they'd be the first hometown team to make it there. And obviously we're the first one to win it either. So, I mean, time will tell what that happens. Um, but let's dig in to go in this topic, which is can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the NFC South? Uh, so this is obviously the topic of conversation, and I'm going to say no. I don't believe that they are going to win the NFC South. And the reason why I say this is, so just, just last season even, they were in most games competitively all season. But the reason why they lost so many is because their quarterback was playing for the other team. Winston's turnovers killed them, and you, you cannot win like that. Like looking at, at their record last year, they the game that they did lose, they were not really blowout wins. Um, there were a couple of them, obviously, but a lot of the, the losses they had were close to the nail games they lost, and it's because Winston turned the ball over. I mean, you look at, I mean, their loss to New York was just one point. Their loss to... You know, New Orleans was just a touchdown. Tennessee was four points. They lost to Seattle Seahawks in, in overtime. And so a lot of these losses, the Houston by three points, Atlanta in overtime. So a lot of these games were super, super close and down to the wire at the very end. And just because Winston is playing for the other team, he gave up on turnovers and the other team was able to capitalize when the Buccaneers couldn't. And, and it's just, it's just it, you cannot win like that whenever you have what happened to Winston. And so even though Winston led the league in passing yards, he had 30 touchdowns, but his 30 interceptions just negate all of that. That is just an unimaginable statistic for an NFL quarterback. And I don't blame the Buccaneers at all for letting him go and bringing in Tom Brady. That being said, though, last year they were competitive. So all the hype about how they're now Super Bowl contender just because they brought Tom Brady in, I'm, I'm just not buying it. They just need a decent quarterback to do well. They need a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over 30 freaking times. I think last year they could have easily have gone 9-7 and seven or even 10-6. and six. That would be a pretty successful season for the Bucs. So I think they can definitely be competitive this year as well because they will have a competent QB. I don't think Tom Brady's is a great quarterback anymore, but obviously he's better than Jameis Winston. He doesn't turn the ball over. And so I think that's just something that's going that's just going to happen though that they're just going to be better because they'll have better quarterback play. With that being said, I don't think necessarily that just because you're you're adding Tom Brady, you're adding Gronk, 
I just I don't see them winning the NFC South. I think that the Saints will win that division. I think that for many reasons. One, the Saints are just a better overall team. Yes, the Bucks have flashy team. Their offense looks really, really great. But I just think that the 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 Saints just have the better overall team on offense and defense. Yes, the Bucks I thought had a great draft and addressed a lot of concerns, but I still think the Saints are a better team. You know, I'm not the biggest on Drew Brees, but I think his connection with Michael Thomas and Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara and all his other teammates is just better than that of Brady. Obviously, that's not Brady's fault. He just got there. Um, but that is a big part of joining a new team. you got to be more familiar with your players. And we all we know that Tom Brady has that habit or his ego where if he doesn't trust the receivers, he's not going to give him the ball. And so if he doesn't have that confidence in his team, who knows what might happen. And so, and, you know, especially because of this COVID stuff, I think continuity will be one of the biggest factors of success for teams this year. You'll find me saying that a lot just because I believe it's, it's so important, the continuity, especially this year. And so I think the Saints have the upper hand on, on the Buccaneers. Third reason is Sean Payton is just a better head coach than Bruce Arians. Now, I don't not like Arians by any means, but I think just Payton has the advantage by running his team with more familiarity. He knows his players better, and I think that experience and that familiarity will just help them this season win that division again. And four is, is home field advantage. You know, assuming that fans are allowed this season, I think that the Superdome is a tough place for any visiting team to come in and win. And so the Buccaneers do start off the very first game of the season walking into New Orleans. And I think the, the second time they play later on the season will be better than the first because I'm not expecting the, the Buccaneers to come out of the gate being super successful. I think their first four games, they might struggle a bit just because they've got to get you know used to Brady, a lot of different changes, and they just got to get used to it which is fine, you know, that happens. So I don't think that first game is going to be um, directly correlated to how successful the Buccaneers will be. But I do think that just the Saints have the overall advantage compared to the Buccaneers. I just, I think, I honestly think that it's the Saints division to lose. And while I think that the Bucks will have a better record this year, I attribute that to the QB play being slightly better, mostly in the turnover department. Last year, Brady only turned the ball over eight times. So that's 30 interceptions versus eight interceptions, which is a crazy comparison. So the Bucks will definitely be better, but I don't think they'll be better than the Saints. I also think that the Panthers are going to be sneakily good this year. So watch out for them. Now, moving on to another hot topic this year with the quarterbacks is, should the Dolphins start Tua? Let me put this as lightly as I can. Heck no, absolutely not. No way, no how. I just, I honestly don't see how Tua can start for the Dolphins this year, let alone play. I don't care how big of a Dolphins fan you are and you think Tua is, is your savior, you can't take that risk. One of the biggest downsides to Tua, there aren't many, is just how injury prone he is. I mean, he's coming off of a broken hip for crying out loud. And even though the doctor says he's fine and he's out slinging the football around, you can't put him into a rebuilding team like this. That's will basically be murder to put him out there. And so I, I think the problem, you know, all the hype and the fans and all that stuff, is I just think the problem with our current generation is that we don't like to wait. We are an instant gratification nation where we are so used to getting answers at the click of a button or getting on Netflix and having a whole movie low within seconds. We do not like waiting at all. But sometimes that is the best thing that you can do. 
I mean, if you think about it from, you know, the organization standpoint, a lot of people, you know, they don't give head coaches that much time to 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 win seasons. You know, if you have a couple losing seasons in a row, you're out the door because teams or, you know, front offices, owners aren't patient. And I just think what Brian Flores is doing with the Dolphins can be so incredible. We just got to give it time. We just got to give it time. Okay. No one is, is expecting the Dolphins to compete this year. No one is expecting them to make the playoffs, contend for a Super Bowl. They're still rebuilding. I think it could be very, very dangerous to throw Tua out there when you're still in that rebuilding process. And I just to show you what I'm talking about, let's look at two different examples, and then I'll let you decide on how important patience and time is. Example number one, Andrew Luck. Okay, Andrew Luck has been sacked so many times. And that's what eventually led him to an early retirement. He didn't have the O-line he needed to keep him safe and protected. I mean, that's not his fault. That's, you know, the general manager and the team's fault. But that is something that makes life, you know, a little bit hard as a QB for running for your life the whole time. The highest total in the season that he got sacked was 41 times. We're looking at when he came into the area in 2012, he was sacked 41 times. The next year was 32 times. The year following that was 27 times, and the next year was just 15 times, but that's because he only played seven games. And then the year after that was 41 times, and then he sat out a whole year, and then the next game, and the next season, his last season was a total of 18 times. And that was finally when they had a good offensive line to protect him. And so just with getting sacked so many times, it was injury and injury, and you heard him whenever he had to unfortunately retire early because his, he couldn't take it anymore. The rehabilitation process, all the injury process, that is just super, super hard and just really impacted him and took a toll on him. And so the highest total in the season was getting sacked 41 times. Can you imagine Tua doing that? Even worse, do you know how many sacks the Dolphins gave up last year? 57. 57 sacks. So you're going to put Tua out there to realistically be sacked around 57 times? You're telling me you want to put the future of your franchise out there with an O-line that gives up that amount of sacks? Tua's career would be over within a season, probably before the season even finished. I mean, NFL defenses have hit twice, three times, ten times as hard than college defenses, and you saw what college defenses were able to do to him. They broke his hip tore up his ankle, his wrist, all those different injuries and stuff. And so just putting him out there would just be career suicide for Tua and just the Dolphins wasting that their future because Tua could be great. And so you just cannot risk it. Example two, maybe this will prove my point, is Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'll admit, this is a little different than Luck or Tua, but still, you can't argue with the results. In his two years as a starter, he's won an NFL MVP and a Super Bowl MVP and he sat for his first season behind Alex Smith. He actually attributes that waiting and time behind Alex um, to his success all the time. So let Tua do the Mahomes method. Have him sit behind a veteran quarterback in Fitzpatrick and learn the ropes. No one is expecting the Dolphins to be playoff contenders, so there's no, there's no, there should be no issue in letting him sit behind Fitzpatrick and just let everything else work itself out there are a lot of pieces they still need to figure out and they shouldn't put the team's future in jeopardy by playing Tua you got to figure out yeah they shored up the offensive line a little bit they got to make sure that's better 
on the other offensive pieces. They just got to sure some things up. So there's, they're not going to lose anything by sitting Tua this season and letting him learn how to be an NFL quarterback behind Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick would be the perfect mentor for him to help and to teach him and let him you know, let him get used to what NFL is like because it's different than college, and that's just a fact. To prove my point, I mean, how many Super Bowls has Luck won? How many Super Bowls has Mahomes won? That should answer itself right there. Is Luck hasn't won any. Mahomes obviously won last year. and there, So there just might be a method to the madness. Be patient. Let players develop. Protect your franchise quarterback at all costs. And then when next season comes around, who knows what kind of fury Tua could unleash on the league. I am excited to see it. But be patient, Dolphins fans. Your time is coming. Okay? Now, moving on, there are a lot of processes, a lot of moving pieces that have happened this offseason. Mostly being there's five new head coaches. So, which new head coach will have the most success this season? In case you don't know, the five new head coaches for this upcoming season are Joe Judge for the New York Giants, Kevin Stefanski for the Cleveland Browns, Matt Rule for the Carolina Panthers, Ron Rivera for the Washington Redskins, and Mike McCarthy for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, all these five new coaches, I think that Mike McCarthy will have the most success. And that's because Mike McCarthy is just, he's an experienced head coach. Out of all of these, he's the most experienced. The only other coach that has, had, has NFL head coaching experience is Ron Rivera. So Mike McCarthy in 13 seasons, now this is all with the Packers, so in 13 seasons, he's got six division titles, nine playoff berths, and one Super Bowl win, which is more than all these any other coaches can have, which isn't their fault necessarily. There are a lot of rookie quarterbacks, but I think that's why Mike McCarthy will have you know, the most success is because he's experienced. He's been through the ropes. He's worked with excellent quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers organization. He can take that to the Cowboys organization. And so just because the Cowboys got a new coach, though, unlike a lot of other teams who get new coaches, the team's not in a rebuild at all. They, on paper, have one of the best teams in the NFL. Like, you look at their roster, and they are stacked with talent. So I think Mike McCarthy is going to go in, and he's got all the, he's had all this time in the world to, to look at personnel, to make plays, to run different schemes and systems and stuff. And so I think that he has the best shot to do really well with that Cowboys organization. The next, I think, would be Kevin Stefanski. You know, on paper, the Browns are another one of the best teams in the NFL. They haven't really lived up to that hype. I I argue a little bit that it's probably the organization-wise with all these head coaches changing, GM changing. There hasn't really been any stability to the office, and I think that's affected the players and the teams. But we'll see what happens this year. So, you know, and he's a great offensive mind, too, and he loves to run the ball, and he has a great running back duo, arguably the best running back duo in the NFL, and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Those boys can do some damage. And with Kevin Stefanski there running the offense, I think that they're going to be able to do extremely well. As long as Baker can play like Baker can play, I think Kevin Stefanski can work with him and work with the offense to do really, really well. You know, he's respected. He can be a solid leader for that franchise, which is obviously something that they lacked. He's going to push Baker to be out his best. And hopefully this will allow to have the consistency for the Browns organization and Stefanski because that is just something that they have not had. The next one, I think it'll be Matt Rule. Matt Rule is like this weird, like head coach God type of thing because he's just able to turn programs around. At Temple, at Temple, he went from a two and ten record to six and six, and then ten and four and ten and three. That is crazy. 
And then at Baylor, it was even more crazy. They went from 1 and 11 to 7 and 6, and then 11 and 3 this past year. So I am very intrigued by what he can do with the Panther with the Panthers organization. That team is full of talent on both sides of the ball. He's got a new young fresh quarterback in Bridgewater with Christian McCaffrey there. And they went only defense in the draft, so to be able to rebuild that defense up. And so I don't think that the Panthers are necessarily in rebuild mode. I think they're more in like remodel mode. And so I think Matt Rule is, seems like the guy. If he's able to do it in two different programs in the college level, I, I'm hopeful and I'm very intrigued to see what he can do at the NFL level with the Carolina Panthers as well. The next, I think, is is Ron Rivera. You know, he's a veteran coach as well. He does have one Super Bowl appearance under his belt, so he is familiar um, with that works. And he's he's a very player's guy. His teammates love him. You saw him whenever he left the Panthers organization. All of his players gave him a lot of love and support. And so I think that is something super crucial to have, especially with the Redskins. They're, that organization is still kind of wanky, and I'm not really sure what's going on. I think they're very uncertain about who they have at quarterback. I don't think they're super invested in Dwayne Haskins, and so I think this will definitely be a prove-it year for him. But Ron Rivera is a very defensive-minded coach, and they do have a really good defense, and it just got better with Chase Young, that number two overall draft pick, Chase Young. And so I think Ron Rivera is going to be able to do a lot of different scheming with him in that defense. And so look for them to maybe be a little bit better. I think they'll still be in the bottom of the league this year, but they are in full rebuild mode. And so I don't expect them to, to come out. that. If they do, I think that would be a huge overachievement and exceed all expectations. But look for that defense to be a little bit more dominant under Juan Rivera, and we'll see what happens in the future. And lastly, just because, I mean, it would be Joe Judge. I mean, this coaching hire kind of left me scratching my head. Um, obviously, I don't know the guy, and so he could be a great fit, but all the other coaches that were kind of in the rumor mill, they, they picked him. And so, I mean, he does have a lot of experience under Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, and both have vouched for him and said he's a great guy, a great coach, can coach any position. And so that would be great. Maybe that is what the Giants need is something that they've lacked. I think ever since they've got rid of Tom Coughlin, they haven't really found a good head coach to come in there and run their franchise. And so maybe they believe Joe Judge is this guy, which I hope it is. They'll be able to take Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, tutor them, coach them up, and coach that up better. They have, I mean, they have a fairly good offense, but their defense is just terrible. And so I think Joe Judge, just as a head coach standpoint, has the most work to do out of all of these new coaches. And he's going to have to put that to test this, this year. And so we'll see what, what happens. Because the, the defense, like I said, is just is just horrendous. And so hopefully he's able to work with him and coach him up. And hopefully he'll be able to be the coach to, to lead Big Blue um, back into the higher ranks of the NFL where they were for so many years. That being said, though, not only are our coaches changing, there's new coaches, there are also a lot of new players through free agency and trades making different teams. And now we land to this insane trade with DeAndre Hopkins going to the Cardinals to be Kyler Murray's number one target. I mean, so Kyler Murray is just is fresh off a rookie of the year campaign when the unimaginable happens. The Houston Texans trade all-pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins and a 2020 fourth-round pick to the Arizona Cardinals for running back David Johnson, a 2020 second-round pick, and a 2020 fourth-round pick. Are you kidding me? This this was honestly one of the most craziest trades that I have ever seen. The Texans didn't even get a first-rounder in return and are taking the cap hit for David Johnson, who doesn't... Who, whose pay doesn't even match his production, not even close. But, you know, that's a topic for a different day. At the end of the day, Hopkins is an Arizona Cardinal, baby. 
So as a Cardinal fan, you have to be over the moon with this trade. I mean, you were getting a top-tier talent and didn't have to give anything up in return. And you got rid of a horrible contract with Johnson. That This is just one heck of a deal. So now the, the offense for the Cardinals is just loaded with talent. You got Kyler Murray has just some weapons, man. He's got DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, a wide receiver. They drafted Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, which will be a beast for them on defense. And they also added Josh Jones out of Houston to shore up that offensive line. Hopkins will easily, easily become wide receiver number one and be Murray's top target, something Hopkins is really good at being. He doesn't drop the ball, like, ever. He can give Murray a boost of confidence that as long as he can get it to him, he's going to catch it. Now, Murray, this is his second year, so he's going to continue to grow as a quarterback, and Hopkins is going to be able to help him. Their division is the toughest division in the league. No contest. 49ers, Seahawks, Rams, it's brutal. So it's going to take a lot for the Cards to be able to win that division, but the addition of Hopkins should make them more competitive. In his seven seasons, Hopkins has surpassed 1,000 yards receiving five times. He's a workhorse with sure hands. I don't like using the word security blanket to describe a relationship a receiver has with his quarterback, but Hopkins can be that and so, so much more for Kyler. Their offensive production should definitely surpass that of last year, which saw Murray throw for 3,722 yards and 20 touchdowns. Now, when you have an elite wide receiver paired with a solid quarterback, be prepared for anything. I'm waiting for this duo to go off. I think Hopkins can take Murray to the next level as a quarterback, and we will see a tremendous improvement in Murray this year. Time will tell, but Kyler Murray might just be an MVP dark horse this year. So watch out. Alrighty, now it's time for another fun football fact. The Arizona Cardinals had the longest postseason victory drought in NFL history from 1947 to 1998. 51 years. Yikes. They haven't been since the 2015 season when they lost in the conference championship. All right, that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening in, and we'll see you next time on All Things Football.